This is A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends, a podcast ministry of Somebody Cares America, being a tangible expression of Christ in a hurting world. Welcome to another Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. Today, I have the personal pleasure of having Cassie Smith as a guest on our podcast. Cassie Smith is a very gifted and recognized worship leader in the community, and she's also a facilitator for the Greater Houston Worship Community, a gathering of worship leaders who gather together on a regular basis to talk about the essence of worship, to talk about the restoration of authentic worship, being living worshipers, and how to direct and guide others into that place of the presence of God through worship. And we also have the pleasure of having Cassie Smith on staff with us at Somebody Cares America and one of our missionaries globally with Somebody Cares International. Cassie Smith has years and years and generations of relationship in ministry and experience in worship, has written many of her own worship songs, and many people have recognized the gift upon her life. We're blessed to have her as part of our staff and blessed to have her in our community. Before I have Cassie begin to share about the essence of worship and being living worshipers and giving you a practical application, let me set the tone with an example of a story of a friend of mine. In the early 1990s, I met with an individual who is one of the most successful business leaders in all of Asia. He has businesses all over the world. And one day, as he had come to Christ, he was sharing with me that he was raising his hands in church and he was worshiping the Lord during a worship service. And he heard very clearly in his heart the Lord say to him, why do you worship me? And at first he was taken back and thinking, well, I'm in church. I'm supposed to be worshiping God. But then he began to realize what the Lord was trying to tell him. You see, my friend goes in and out of offices of heads of state, presidents of nations, does business deals all over the world. Many people want his attention. They want his favor. They want access to his equity. They want jobs. Everybody wants something from him. And he didn't know who his real friends were because he didn't know if they wanted to be around him just because of the relationship and just because, because, because of who he was, or because they wanted something from him. And in that context, he realized what the Holy Spirit was revealing to him. Why do you worship me? Why do you worship the Lord? And he realized the Lord wants us to worship him just because, because, because of what he's already done and who he is. You see, the Lord Jesus wants our authenticity of worship. The essence of worship is to love him just because, because, because of what he's already done and who he is. Cassie, I'd like you to come and share with us today on this podcast what the essence of worship is, restoring the altar of worship, and what it means to be a living worshiper in a day when so many distractions come along the way. Hi, Doug. Thank you so much for having me as a guest today on A Word in Season. I'm honored to get to share my heart on worship and what it truly is according to scriptures. Maybe you're listening today and you're a fellow worship leader. Maybe you're a singer, songwriter, or musician, part of the production team at your local church. Or maybe you sing from the crowd. Maybe, as my family says, you can't carry a tune in a bucket, but you make a joyful noise. And I want to encourage you to keep listening today. Whether you have a musical gift or you don't, we're going to share about how worship is so much more than that. And so much deeper than that. We always want to look back at the first mention in the Bible of a word. And the word worship was first mentioned in the Bible during the story of Abraham and his son Isaac. 
their journey up the mountain in the land of Moriah as told in Genesis 22 verses 3 through 10. Verse 3 and 4 says, So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering. And he arose and went to the place which God had told him. On the third day Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and we will worship and return to you. People had been walking with God, serving God, lifting up the name of the Lord, and making sacrifices long before this story of Abraham and Isaac. However, this is the first time the term worship is used in scriptures, and it is a picture of ultimate sacrifice and an obedient heart. There is no mention here of Abraham busting out a keyboard and Isaac bringing his guitar along. There's no drums, there's no choirs, there's no line of attractive singers backing a charismatic leader. Instead, in the foreground of worship's first mention is an altar, and the treasure of someone's heart is being laid upon it. If you grew up in church, you've probably heard it said, Worship is not so much what we say or sing with our lips, but it is what we do with our lives. I often tell my team, Worship is not the position we have up here on this platform, but it is a position that we take in our heart. It's not something that we do just on a Sunday morning or Wednesday night or when you have midweek meetings, but it is something that is an eternal and continual position that we have. And we learn that again in Romans 12. In the NIV, it says it this way, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. That was probably one of the very first scriptures I ever learned as a kid. That worship means offering my body as a living sacrifice. That that is what is pleasing and holy to God. I love that it says in view of God's mercy. Why do we worship? It's because of God's mercy. We're looking at God's mercy. We're looking at what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. Because of the Father loved us so much that he sent Jesus to be that ultimate sacrifice. When we look at that and we have an understanding of what that truly meant and what he truly went through for us, it's in view of that, looking at that, that we begin to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. In Romans 12, the Passion Translation reads it this way, Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourself to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. It goes on in verse two to say, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. As I'm reading that, I'm thinking about how often we pray and we ask God for discernment. We pray and we ask God to renew us or transform us. And he's telling us here through his scripture that we're renewed and transformed as we stop imitating the ideals and the culture and the opinions of the world around us. And we're transformed by the Holy Spirit. It's so important to know the word, to know the Bible. And that is what empowers us. How many times do we ask for power and to be empowered and to have boldness? But we lack consistent study time. We lack reading our word. We lack 
spending time alone with God. There's a scripture verse in Micah 6, 8, and the message version reads, He's already made it plain how to live and what to do, what God is looking for in men and women. It's quite simple to do what is fair and just to your neighbor, to be compassionate and loyal in your love, and don't take yourself too serious. Take God serious. That scripture many years ago really jumped out at me. Don't take yourself so serious. Take God serious. And for me, I'm a very shy kid by nature, and I spent the first three decades of my life very, very shy, intimidated by everything around me. Even though I grew up in church and and was taught that perfect love casts out all fear and to be bold and that everything Christ has done is so that we could overcome. Um, I was still very shy and it took time for that to be worked out in me. When I read Micah 6, 8 in that translation of the Bible, it jumped out at me that I was taking myself so serious. And because of that, I was going quiet. I was so worried I was going to say something wrong and stumble over my words that I wouldn't say anything at all. And when I began to think, man, God says to take him serious, not myself. The more I read the scriptures and the more I study and the more I know that, man, he wants us to be bold and he wants us to preach the good news, the gospel. And he wants us to tell and liberate others with that good news. Um, Like Isaiah 61 says, he wants us to set the captive free. And we can't do that if we're going to stay in a shell and not talk to anyone else around us. And so I had to learn and allow that word to become alive in me. And that is worship. Allowing the word to become alive in you is worship. So maybe you are listening to this and you're thinking, man, I've been praying for boldness and I've been praying for discernment on God's will for my life. I encourage you to read again Romans 12. According to both the origin scripture we found in Genesis and this one here in Romans, worship is laying down your treasure, your desires, your dreams, even your promise. God promised Abraham he would be a father and here he is having to lay the promise down. And I doubt that God will let us by with valuing the gift more than the giver. So we know what worship is intended to be at its very root. It's sacrifice. It's an obedient heart. Where does music and singing come in? I believe it's meant to be a tool. It's an expression of our worship, but it is not worship in and of itself. Genesis 4.21 speaks of a man named Yuval, the father of all those who played harp and flute. He's known as the forefather of musicians. He's a descendant of Cain, not far down the line from Adam, and hears music. Hears musical instruments being made. Many Old and New Testament scriptures alike declare for us to sing. I think of one in particular in Exodus 15, when the children of Israel have crossed the Red Sea and God has delivered them. It says this, Then Moses and the children of Israel sang the song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Musical instruments and lifting one's voice in song have been a part of humanity and included as a way to express ourselves to God and for God to speak to us. Did you know that God sings? In Zephaniah 3, verse 17, in the English Standard Version, it says this, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. I was reading recently from the Revival Bible, and I was reading in the book of Psalms, and the commentary is titled, Every Awakening Has Its Own Song. 
and it speaks of David's troubled past and how he took his hurt, lonely heart to God. He sang of his dreams and his sadness, his fears and his triumphs, his loves and his joys. He sang to the one who would receive him when his own father and mother forsook him. And God made a record of his singing in this, the largest book of the Bible. Many thoughts and stories can be found in the Bible about singing and music, but I will stick with Psalms for a moment. One minute, the writer, who's primarily David, is focused on himself. Moments later, in the same passage, he is shifting his gaze upward and making declarations about who God is. It is a picture of soul and spirit in context to music and worship. I think today's songwriters fight the same urge to sing or speak from a soulish stance. One with their eyes on their self. My troubles, my pain, and how God meets or heals me or loves me in spite of this. I heard a pastor say recently, it's the equivalent to the beings that are talked about in Isaiah and Revelation that circle the throne room of God. It'd be the equivalent of them saying, look at this wing, look how fast I'm flying. But that is not what they do, is it? No, in Isaiah chapter 6, it says, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two they covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one would call out to the other and say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. John writes about his sight in heaven again in Revelation 4 verse 8. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around them and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. They have one expression upon seeing God, holy, and that is what worship is. It is first an act of sacrifice to lay our lives on the altar of obedience and secondly to lift our eyes and our hands, our voices and our hearts and declare, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. My prayer for the days ahead is that we sing less from our souls and more from our spirit. That we would write less from our soul and more from our spirit. The soul isn't bad. It's God-given. Music and songs through the ages will transport us back in time. Whether secular or penned for the church, music becomes a time machine. It crosses all barriers and is known to be a universal language. However, if all we sing when we gather as a corporate body and as the church are songs that appeal to our souls, then we have yet to appeal to heaven. Jesus says it this way in John four twenty four. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. It doesn't say soul and truth. It says he is spirit, and we must worship from our spirit and truth. We need to persevere for this in our corporate worship settings, as much as we do when we are in our own private time worshiping God. Perseverance means maintaining a purpose in spite of difficulty, obstacles, and discouragement. How does perseverance play into our worship? I feel like our default is to talk about ourselves, the circumstances of the day, or the emotions we feel in the moment, and to approach God from that place of self-centeredness. But we need to remember why we worship. We worship because God is worthy. 
And we worship because it brings us into agreement with God, the Father. When we worship, our central focus should be God himself, who he is, and what he says according to scriptures. To persevere in context to worship is to maintain the purpose of exalting God in our difficulties. When things are hard and hard to accomplish, when things are hard to deal with or understand, to exalt him when there are obstacles blocking our way or hindering our progress. We choose to obey and to worship and to live a living sacrifice lifestyle in times when we are the most discouraged and disappointed, when there is loss of confidence or enthusiasm, when people have expressed their disapproval of us. You still lift your eyes to heaven and say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Because it isn't about us, we must take care to train others when we are in a corporate setting that people will understand what worship truly is according to scripture and why we worship, not just the how-tos. King David, when he was building the tabernacle, the scripture tells us that he had skillful musicians. And I think in generations past, we sometimes lack that. We thought, oh, it's for God. No big deal. You know, he's looking at our heart. He's not looking at how good we're playing something. Why not play well? Why not be skillful? Why not train yourself? If it's for God and it's unto God and it's an expression of our worship, it's an expression of our sacrifice and obedience, wouldn't we want it to sound well? I think because it's for God, it should be skillful and it should be done with excellence. It doesn't mean that we neglect passion and purity and holiness And like I said earlier, the people in the crowd that are just singing a joyful noise, it doesn't mean that we neglect all that or we shut all that down because, oh, they're not skillful. But those that are leading, I believe, should have skill. I believe should apply themselves and work on it through the week. Sometimes people look frightened. I know that sometimes anxiety can get the best of us. But if it's not a joy and we're not enjoying what we're doing, then that's going to come across on our face and our body language. And I feel like it's so important on a practical level, again, if you're leading a congregation, your mindset should be, man, we want to enjoy and we want to hear from heaven. We want heaven to hear us. We want to be in unity as a body together, but we also want to be in unity with heaven. And so all that comes back to, again, just knowing what worship truly is that it is a sacrifice, an obedient heart, and laying down all of us. There's a a beautiful old chorus that said, love demands my all. And I think about that very often, that God, he demands our all, but he's worthy of our all. He's worthy of everything we could possibly give him. And so I encourage you today as you're listening to go back for yourself. Look through the scriptures on the word worship. What does it mean to you? As a worship leader, what does it mean to you as someone in the congregation? Because I feel like it's important that we learn how to lead from the seat. If we're in the congregation, we should be lead worshipers and people that are bringing new people into that experience. And not only that, but remembering that it's a daily lifestyle and not just what we do when we come together corporately. So I hope this has encouraged you today. If it has, we would love to hear from you. Whether you have prayer requests today or maybe you have praise reports. Maybe it's on this topic. Maybe it's on things that have been previously talked about. But we would love to hear from you. You can email us at prayer at somebodycares.org. And another way that you can connect with Somebody Cares, you can find us on Facebook, Somebody Cares America. 
And from there, you'll get to hear about all the different chapters and centers and the things that we're doing across the globe. And we would love to connect with you. So find us on Facebook, Somebody Cares America. Wow. Thank you so much, Cassie. You carry such an authority in what you say about worship because you truly epitomize what it means to be a living worshiper. You truly epitomize the authenticity of the essence of God in all that you do say and think. And I thank God that you're part of the Somebody Cares team. And I thank the Lord for the privilege of being able to journey with you and for you being a part of all that we're doing globally. For those who have been listening today, I want you to be encouraged and think and process about what Cassie has said today. What we need is we really do need the heart of worship back, don't we? We need to be living worshipers who walk in the altar and also the obedience of God, which is the highest form of worship. And take into heart some of the things that she shared and apply them in your everyday life. It's not just the person on the platform that leads in worship. But as she says, it's those of us who lead in worship in our hearts, even from the place where we sit in the pew. We are to be living worshipers, offering ourselves as living sacrifices or living worshipers before the altar of God, because that is the least we can do for all that he's already done for us. To worship the Lord just because, because, because of who he is and what he's already done for us. If you'd like more information about what we do, go to somebodycares.org. That's somebodycares.org. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.